Speaking for all the fathers here today, I want to thank all of you in advance for the foot rubs, the favorite food, the quiet during Sunday nap, the lawn mowing by wives, the car washing by kids, the kind notes with gift cards to steakhouses, sporting events, and local golf courses. From the bottom of our hearts, we say thank you, and yes, we are accepting Father's Day gifts through the end of the year. (laughs) Now, I say that uh, not only as an intro, but uh, it's humorous because in reality, the experience of being a dad is like the opposite of that, except for one day a year. Okay, one day a year, that can be the experience, but the other 364 days of the year, Uh, To be a dad is much less about receiving and much more about giving, the giving of ourselves for our family. And by by that, I don't mean to say that being a dad isn't meaningful. In fact, for me, being a dad is one of the great joys of my life. I got married later in life. I was uh, actually having to sort of ponder the possibility that I would never have the privilege of being a dad, but God in his grace brought me Uh, Jennifer, and then now I have two daughters, and so praise God, I get to be a dad. I love being a dad. So I'm not saying in any way that it's not meaningful or joyous to be a dad, but what I am saying is that being a dad and enjoying being a dad is much more about learning how to enjoy giving of ourselves for our family, especially for their joy, and by this I mean their eternal joy. I mentioned to my wife Jennifer recently that uh, it's amazing to me, if, if, if you've never been a dad, I wasn't a dad for until I was 45 years old, and then all of a sudden I become a dad, and the joy that I have in my daughters experiencing joy, I never would have guessed how happy their happiness would make me. I mean, it's like there's this uh, connection, the, the, the umbilical cord is still there between them and our hearts. They're sad, we're sad. They're happy, we're happy. There's some kind of a thing that goes on there, and kids, you need to know that. (laughs) Your parents are very much dialed into what you are experiencing and what your life is like. I read uh, somebody recently that said that we really get the happy Father's Day thing all wrong. And by that, I don't mean to say we shouldn't say that. We've said it already here. It's fine to say happy Father's Day. Okay, that's totally fine. But what, the emphasis on Happy Father's Day really should be on the father being happy, not the day being happy. That's why I've entitled my message, Happy Father Day. Because what we really want is we want happy dads, not happy days. Although happy dads and happy days tend to go together. We want our fathers to be happy. So is it Happy Day or Happy Dad? Happy day or happy family? Happy day or happy children? We're taking a break from our series in Romans. Uh, Here it is summertime. We're going to do a little summer series that uh, allows me to read up on Romans 9 and to get ready for that, which starts in August, but also gives us a little break from New Testament Romans teaching to go to the Old Testament and to go to a book that I I love the book of Proverbs. I have read it since I was a teenager. I I read Proverbs anytime I'm having devotions. If I have time, I read a chapter in Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. And I hope uh, 
as a result of this, you will as well. There's so much in the book. It's easily, it's the most practical book in the whole Bible. If you want, like, why can't these messages be more practical? Boy, this series is for you. Because Proverbs is eminently practical about all kinds of things in life. Some of the topics that we're going to look at is uh, the, the wise man and the fool. We'll take a look at money. We'll take a look at lust and other things as well. Very practical, okay? What is Proverbs? If you've never read Proverbs, it is a collection of pithy, memorable little nuggets of wisdom from God. And they range all across the spectrum of, of life. Like all the Bible, they tell us about God first. And like all scripture, they are also about Jesus, although it's more implicit than explicit because we're on this side of his incarnation. But the Bible is about Jesus and Proverbs is also about Jesus. And the beauty of it here, kicking it off on Father's Day, is that Proverbs was written by a dad, largely written by a dad, to his sons. Written by a dad who wants his sons to know and understand wisdom and to live their lives according to wisdom. To give you a sample of what, uh, what, it, what it's saying, here's Proverbs 1, verse 7 and 8. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And from that flows 31 chapters of divine wisdom uh, expressed largely through fatherly wisdom, a collection of dad sayings. We had the video earlier of all the dad sayings, and the kids were kind of celebrating that. Proverbs is a collection of dad sayings. Now, when your dad is the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, then that's a collection of sayings that you ought, you ought to pay attention to. And indeed, the wise will heed what Proverbs has to say. But it represents all by itself one of the key components about being a good dad, which is the desire for your children to live according to God's wisdom and God's will. In fact, dads, to ask you a question, if your children could collect all the wisdom that you passed on to them, how long would that book be? Proverbs is 31 chapters long, 30 verses almost in every chapter. How long would, how, how long would your collection be? You know, is it like a track? Is it a sticky note? Or is it maybe something like this? We should all aim, although none of us will ever do this, but should aim for a lot of wisdom passed on to our family. In this book, we have really a picture of what it means to live, as the theologians call it, quorum Deo, to live before the face of God, where all of my life is lived uh, before God, and I want God to be at the center of everything that I do. If you are a Christmas-only or an Easter-only type Christian, uh, if you are, uh, you know, just the occasional attender or maybe even a secularist, you're not going to like Proverbs, because Proverbs uh, those sorts of people want to sequester their faith into the walls of the church. We don't want it invading anything in public life. We don't want it invading private life. It's just something, faith is something for the church. Proverbs is like, no, it's not. It's for every aspect of life. And Proverbs is not afraid to talk truth into every aspect of our life, sometimes uncomfortably, as we will find out this summer. And it also includes a lot of wisdom regarding godly parenting and specifically godly fatherhood, to which we turn our attention today. 
I find the Bible is at its best when it is speaking into those awkward crevices of the human heart. And when you talk about relationships, like a relationship with a mother or a relationship with a father, we're talking about an area that for many, many people is unbelievably awkward. In fact, maybe you're here today and Father's Day is not a great day in your life. And there could be people like that for any number of reasons, some of which we prayed for earlier. Maybe you, you want to be a dad and, and that hasn't happened yet. Or maybe you have a relationship with a dad that is strained, or maybe your dad has, has died, or any number of things where Father's Day just isn't really a great day in your life. Along comes the Bible and speaks boldly into some of these awkward human relationships, and our relationships with dads oftentimes is one of them. Now, again, I'm coming at this where being a dad is one of the greatest experiences of life, and I want you to realize that I am very pro-being a dad, but it is very much a challenge to be a dad. And all the dads said, amen to that, brother, amen to that. I read this quote this week. I thought it was good. Parenting is sacred, smelly, exciting, uh, crushing, frustrating, and expensive, it is, it's, it's the most important thing that people ever do, and to be completely honest with you, it scares the life out of me. Boy, I resonate with that. I remember when our, when our daughter was, uh, when we were pregnant and, and our daughter was going to be born, I remember thinking, it never dawned on me uh, that parents would ever think this way, but I was thinking to myself, I don't know what's coming out, but whatever comes out is going to change my life. Like, my life will never be the same based upon... What's coming out? And as we, you know, you drive to the, the hospital the day that we, we gave birth, you just know my life is never going to be the same again. Everything is about to change. And indeed it did for the better, for the better for sure. But I was excited and I was terrified. And kids, I'm talking like this, you don't get what I'm talking about because you just think, oh, my parents, they, they parent me because that's what parents do. Like, this is their job in the world, is to parent me and to provide for me. And so I talk like this, and it kind of goes over your head. You don't understand what's going on. Now, I want you to listen to me. Listen to old Pastor Steve. Someday, if God allows you to be a parent, you're going to look back on these days right now, living with your parents, and you're going to wish that you had a lot more grace and a lot more patience for them. And the parents said? Amen, Amen to that, Right? So kids, why not start now? Why not start now? And giving your parents a break. This is hard work that we're doing. And we do it because we love you. And uh, I had somebody tell me, parenting, the hardest job you'll ever love. I think that's the best description that I've, that I've come across for being a parent. The hardest job you'll ever love. So happy Father's Day or happy Father Day. And what Proverbs tells us is that there is a lot about the way that we are dads that will determine whether or not we are happy dads. And children, there's a lot about the direction of your life that will dictate the present and future happiness of your dad. You have a big role to play in your dad's happiness. And Proverbs has a lot to say 
to both of these. And so this is a message basically urging dads to father in a way that leads to their children's happiness, especially their eternal happiness, and for children to children in a way that leads to your dad's happiness and joy. Or as I said it here when I wrote it out very cleverly, dad's dadding for children's joy and children childrening for dad's joy. That's where we're going here today. So we begin with the dads. What does Proverbs have to say about how to be a happy father? And I'm going to assume here today, if you are a dad, that this is a desire that you have. I'm going to assume today you didn't wake up today or any other day of being a dad and think to yourself, oh, I want to be sadder than I've ever been before. I want to, I want to parent in a way that leads to my melancholy. You know, I no. I'm going to assume that we all desire very much to have joy and derive joy out of being a parent and being a father, and I would say that is true for me as well. But how do we do that? And it's not like these kids, they don't come out with an owner's manual, how to be happy as a father. They come out with like nothing, do they? There's no guide, there's no nothing. You, you, you go home and you think, okay, great, now what? Yeah, kids, that's how we feel. You're like, no, my parents, that's how they felt, I guarantee you. They did not know what to do. We're just kind of doing this the best we can, okay? We're doing the best we can. But how do we parent in a way that leads to being a happy dad? Well, the first thing to realize is that we take our cues from the happiest father in all the universe. You know who that is? It's God himself. Do you realize that right now there is a divine father whose joy in being a father is greater than anything we can imagine. He loves being the father in the Trinity, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. He is father within the Trinity, and in a sense, he is father to us all, the Bible says, in a, in a divine sort of way. He is a happy, happy father. Now, you might be like, okay, come on. How, how can God be a happy father? Where does the Bible say that? Well, here's one place. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is being baptized. He comes out of the water, and there thunders from heaven the voice of God the Father. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am sad to be his dad. No, I am well pleased. I am delighting in. I am rejoicing in. Is that your view of God? That God is in heaven and he is a joyous God? He is a glad God and part of his gladness is in the unique, wonderful role that he has as father to Jesus? That's what the Bible presents. That God is glad to be father. And we see God's delight in being a father in the fact that when he created the world, he built into the very fabric of human society this basic family unit. And within that family unit, of all, I mean, he could have, he's God. He could have come up with any number of ways that we would relate to one another. But he established a family where in the family there is a father resembling and reflecting his own role within the Trinity. And why did he do it? Because he loves being a dad. And he blesses mankind, hum, human society, with a reflection of his own delight in his role within the Trinity. So fathers, realize that. Your role as a dad is a gift from God to you and to your family. 
It is not a curse. It is a blessing. It is part of the good creation. Now realize that God serves in the Trinity. I actually betrayed my point. (laughs) He functions within the Trinity in a servant leadership sort of way. He he functions in a way for the good and the joy of, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So God is not in that role as God the Father like some men are as king of their castle. Where, I, listen, I'm in charge and this is my thing and God has made me now reflecting the Trinity. Did you hear, Pastor Steve? I am reflecting God the Father in the Trinity and you will obey me. It's much more like what Jesus said. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I think one of the key things about being a dad is a a question of orientation. Why am I here? What is my role? Yes, I'm called to lead, but I'm called to lead like Jesus led. And nobody would look at Jesus and say, what a terrible leader Jesus was. I mean, what a complete failure. No, the greatest leader who ever lived. And yet he gave of himself for those that he led. And the fathers were called. This is part of the hard thing because our selfish nature doesn't want to do this. But we are called by God in the role within the home to lead as a servant leader, to lead in a way that provides, protects, and leads and guides the family that God has granted to us. It's a question of orientation. Why am I here? What am I here to do? Now here's my summary of what Proverbs says about the role of a dad, is that fathers are called to model, discipline, and teach your children to live according to God's wisdom. And I have in parentheses the word and Jesus because we find God's wisdom in the, 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 the wisdom of God is in the word of God. The will of God is in the word of God. And Jesus is called himself the word of God, the divine embodiment of wisdom. So we're going to take these in reverse order. Okay, I'm going to start with teaching. Okay, number one, and, and if, there's, uh, if there's anything Proverbs emphasizes, it is the role of the father in teaching his children God's wisdom, the development of character. Dads, listen to me. You might be like, you know what? I got to teach my son a lot of things. I got to teach him how to change the oil. I got to teach him how to change the tire. I got to teach him about, you know, this, that, and the other. Okay, that's fine. But listen. Your eternal joy is not bound up with if your son can change the tire. Your eternal joy, if you're a Christian father, is in whether or not your son or daughter ends up under the grace of God forever in a place called heaven and ultimately on the new earth. I mean, if I can say this, when I blow out birthday candles, you know what I wish now? I pray for my daughter's salvation. What do I want more than anything else in this world? Literally anything else in this world. I want those two girls to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it just seems to me that that the the Bible and the gospel and the reality of, of heaven and hell and all the rest calls a Christian father to have that as the big thing. Now, Proverbs is pre-Jesus, it's it's pre-cross and pre-resurrection, so there's no verse in the Bible that you can read where it says, and fathers, you must teach them the gospel that they may believe in Jesus, okay? 
It doesn't say that. But what it does say all over in Proverbs is that parents need to teach their children the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is found in the word of God, and it is a life lived according to the will of God. Teach your children the word of God and the will of God. Now, the way that Proverbs does this is it just keeps hammering that same point, okay? Just keeps hammering that same point with dad sayings. Most dads have dad sayings. I remember one my dad had, he said it all the time, work first, then play. Work first, then play. Here a thousand times. Guess what I find myself saying at our home all the time? Work first, then play. Just like my dad did. You know what I'm talking about? Those little dad sayings, they have a way of sticking with you, don't they? They kind of get in there somehow mysteriously in the DNA, and out it comes when you become a parent. You're like, I sound just like my dad. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And that's oftentimes a good thing. And so Proverbs is a collection of these dad sayings which are divinely inspired in the Word of God. This is not, you know, a stitch in time saves nine or whatever. I don't know. Is that the way it goes? Save? Yeah, something like that. I don't even know what it means. But it's not one of those sort of, you know, Aesop's fables, little sort of snippet things. This is God's wisdom in His Word. So here are a few to give you a flavor of the need of dads to teach their children God's wisdom. Proverbs 2, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Proverbs 4, hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. Proverbs 3, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Many others like that. Proverbs is Solomon giving dads an example of how we dad in a godly way. We exhort, we instruct, we seek to implant in our children wisdom about God. God's wisdom for life. Now I'm going to assume right now that every dad here, if you're a Christian dad, you're like, yeah, I know I need to do that. And right now you're saying, I hope Pastor Steve doesn't lay a layer of guilt on me for my failure in doing that. And I want you to know, I'm not doing that today. We, we all feel guilty about failures in this, in this area and wish that we could do better. If I laid a layer of guilt on you, you'd say, okay, we're going home and I'm getting my systematic theology out and we're going to read it all afternoon. And we're going to do it tomorrow and we're going to do it every day from now on until Jesus comes. And then Wednesday, you, you know, everybody burns out and that's it. I don't want that. And the Bible doesn't doesn't specifically say this is how we father our children is that we just, you know, they have to memorize systematic theologies in Latin or something like that. No, it's a much better approach. Here is Deuteronomy 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. This passage in Deuteronomy is, parents, listen, this is how you pass on God's wisdom to your kids. It's not your lecture that you gave one time back in, in 83, okay? It is the natural course of living your life where in the, in the, in the natural uh, activities of the day, there is spiritual conversation that takes place. 
Now, I'm not in every home, and I'm just going to give you a pastoral sense that I have, is that this is not happening to the extent that it should. We'll talk about lots of things. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about the neighbors. We'll talk about sports. We'll talk about, I mean, everybody's talking about something. You're not at home just mute, right? You're talking about something. But the weather doesn't produce your child someday in eternal uh, glory. Politics is an information that is going to lead your child someday to trust in Jesus Christ. Well, maybe, I don't know, I doubt it. I doubt it. But the one thing that does make the difference for your child, and by the way, dads, your eternal joy in this, is often the thing that strangely is absent from the conversation and the culture of a Christian home. And Deuteronomy is exhorting parents, don't let that happen. Have an atmosphere and a culture in your home where you can talk about the weather and you can talk about the politics, but nobody's going to grow up in your house and not know what the Bible says or not know how to view the world that they live in through the grid of Scripture. Why? Because you just talk about it in the normal ebb and flow of the day. As I lie down, as I rise up, Why are we not having spiritual conversations? If that is the case, I would submit to you it's because we're not having spiritual thoughts. Is it possible the reason that nobody's talking about spiritual things in your home is that nobody's thinking about spiritual things in your home? And are you maybe one of them? We talk about what we think about. How often am I bringing to bear in my, in my mind through the day any thoughts about God that I could even pass on to my kids? It's also very hard to have spiritual conversations when everyone's looking at their smartphone. Another malady of society today. Friends, there are no smartphones in heaven, but perhaps the other place will allow them. <laughs> if there was a microphone in your home for three weeks, would there be enough shared that somebody who listened to it might be apt to trust in Christ. Because your children are basically that microphone that's just all the time listening. You are implanting through your words and through the things that you get excited about, priorities, and you're developing character to the good or the bad. And the, the urging of Proverbs is, Dad, especially taking the lead, that you are intentionally speaking about talking about, interested in the truths that shape the character of your child and determine their ultimate destiny. Are you doing that? Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. How many mothers here sorrowing over a child, a prodigal child? How many dads here sorrowing over children who have not embraced the faith? He says here, a wise son. What's a wise son? Okay, what's the goal? According to the Bible, according to Proverbs specifically, they are living according to God's word and God's will. Not perfectly, 
okay? Don't come to the DeWitt house for the afternoon because uh, there would be plenty to condemn uh, in terms of some kind of perfection. We're not talking about perfection here, but we are talking about direction, where the direction of our home, generally speaking, and the direction of our children, generally speaking, is towards the things of God, where they have a heart and a, a desire to please God. This is known as character, spiritual character in Proverbs. One theologian, Andreas Kostenberger, went through Proverbs and he made a list of all of the character qualities that parents are called to cultivate in their children. And here's the list. Diligence, justice, kindness, generosity, self-control, righteousness, honesty, prudence, gentleness, contentment, integrity, humility, discretion in choosing friends. I'll just pause on that for a moment. Graciousness, restraint, faithfulness, purity, skillfulness. Parents, how's it going? Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that list as a dad and I'm like, oh no, right? Wow, like how, how could I possibly parent in a way that cultivates these character qualities in my children? And friends, I think you need to realize this, that if there is a key, it is that your child that these are the byproducts of a heart that has been turned over to Jesus Christ. Like, I can't develop this one thing or that one thing. I need the Holy Spirit to do it. In fact, does this list not kind of look like the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians? It's kind of a similar sort of thing. And as a Christian parent here in the New Testament, realize what your child needs is, is not to be able to define what is uh, gentleness, but they need the Holy Spirit. Your child needs the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think that often and say it sometimes in our home about, you know, one of our daughters. I won't say which one. I'll say, you know what? I'll say, you know what she needs? She needs the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that girl needs the Holy Spirit like right now. Because all of our teaching and all of our trying without the Holy Spirit just is making little Pharisees out of them. They need God in their heart. And the byproduct of that is a life that increasingly, led by the Holy Spirit, reflects these kind of qualities in their life. Just like if you're a Christian here today. Maybe you see some of that developing in your own life. How is that happening? It's probably because you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And that life of Christ in union with Jesus is expressing itself in a change in moral character. It's not like parents are saved by Jesus and children are saved by parents. We're all saved by Jesus. Amen? That's the only hope. It's the only way. And so therefore, dads, this character development is very much tied into evangelism and the making of disciples with your kids and an emphasis on the gospel and making sure that your kids know and understand how a sinner is saved by grace through faith in Jesus. When was the last time you said that in the home? Or something like that. How important it is. So, I kind of was freelancing there. I got to get back to what I was intending to say. I find that our girls have a natural spiritual curiosity about things. And they'll ask questions. And one of the things about being in a pastor's home is that the pastor is expected to take the hard questions. <laughs> Jennifer will be like, Steve? 
Where did God come from? I don't know. Let me think about that a second. That's a very good question. Where did that come from? But they have these curiosities and they ask these questions. And these are all built-in opportunities to have that kind of developing spiritual conversation. Seize upon those. Don't ignore them. Ask them questions. This is one reason uh, catechisms are so wonderful for children, is that it uses that, that natural desire they have to answer the question, to teach spiritual truth. Here's a big one. Go to church. Go to church. I mean, if, if as a dad, what I want more than anything else is for my child to come to know Jesus and to live a life to his glory, why not go to a place that teaches them about Jesus and then you have the opportunity to talk about it. What do you talk about on the way home from church? You're about to go home in an hour or two. <laughs> what are you talking about as you go home today? You talking about the weather? You talking about relatives? Your child, if they're in the children's ministry, just had an hour of spiritual instruction. A wise dad will seize upon that opportunity and seek to sort of cultivate that and draw it out. Dads, do your children know how you came to faith in Christ? If you were to say, hey, how did daddy come to faith in Christ? Can they tell the story? Can I urge you, tell that story over and over and over again. Make it a legend in your, in your home. Tell them the story. Do it with a tear in your eye so they get the idea that this actually is important to you. And that sense of sincerity as a dad, where my kids sense that they know I'm passionate about this sports team and I like to do this thing, but the big deal in my life is my relationship with God through his son Jesus who has saved me from my sins. will speak powerfully to them and to their heart and to their soul. When was the last time you shared with them something that you've learned spiritually? Something you read in your own devotions? Something you've confessed to God? Something that you're working on? Ask them to pray for you in an area, maybe even of parenting. All of these things give your child the idea that your faith is much more than a Sunday-only kind of thing. Where you are actually genuinely following Jesus. Talk about it. Share that with them. Share your heart with them. If there's one verse that summarizes the aim of a dad in a son or daughter, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is a kind of theme verse for all of Proverbs. You may know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. What a key verse that is. What do we want as, as parents? Man, I want my daughters... I want them to trust in the Lord. Now, this is Old Testament language for believing in Jesus as their Savior, but I want them to trust in God, to believe in the Lord with all their heart and lean not to your own understanding. Friends, don't tell your kids to follow their hearts. If you say that, you betray the fact that you don't know your Bible because the Bible says that your child's heart is desperately wicked who can know it. The last thing you want them do, to do is to follow their hearts. Sorry, Disney. That's a surefire way to ruin your life, 
to follow your heart. We don't want our children following their heart. We want our children following God's heart. That's what made David so unique. He was a, God, a, a man after God's own heart. That's what we're trying to raise, is children who are after God's own heart. That heart is selfish. It is destructive. They come out naive and morally empty. They don't come out good, wonderful, moral beings. No, they have no compass at all. That's what parents are there for. And by that, I don't mean they shouldn't discover their natural gifts and pursue excellence in their life. I'm not talking about that. Urge them to follow after God's own heart, to trust what his word says more than what their heart says and more than what their feelings say and more than what their friends say is the way that things are. No, we want to know what God says and to live that way. That's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, may God implant wisdom into our children. So teach. You read through Proverbs, dads, teach, teach, instruct, instruct. That's the, that's the focus. But it also has something to say about discipline. This is the second way to be a happy dad, is to discipline your children. Here's a couple, Proverbs 13. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 22, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Again, realize, when your child arrives, it's not like they arrive with this, you know, this very highly tuned moral compass and this great awareness of what's right and wrong and God and all the rest. They arrive naive of all of that. In fact, they arrive sinners. I don't need to know you. If you're a mother, you gave birth to a sinner. If you're a dad... You, you produced a sinner, just like you're a sinner. That child came out a sinner. It doesn't take long to see that sin nature in a child. Not my kids, other kids. So how does a parent implant a moral compass? By continuing to tell them how wonderful they are and how good they are, no matter what they do. Yeah, right. You'll raise an entitled tyrant. What do we have to do? We have to discipline them. Just like God the Father disciplines us. You might say discipline's wrong. Well, then apparently God's not holy because he disciplines every child he loves, Hebrews tells us. And every loving father will discipline his child. We must. We're called to this. I hate doing it. I, I hate disciplining my daughters. Carolee sometimes will say in the midst of discipline, Daddy, why are you doing this? And I'll be like, so that you're not entitled the rest of your life. Because I love you. And she's like, love, this doesn't, you know, she can't understand it. Any more than we understand it when God does it to us. But I know if I don't discipline them, I will pay a heavy price later. I will not be a happy dad later. And discipline's always that choice, isn't it? Go easy now, pay the price later, do the hard work now. Have the blessing later. Which would you choose? Proverbs says that if you don't discipline your son, you hate him. You hate him. Proverbs also urges corporal punishment. And this is a little controversial in our day. But I'll just tell you from my perspective, I'll go with what the Bible has to say about how to raise godly children more than what our society says is the way to raise godly children. I'll go with what the Bible says. And Proverbs has a lot to say about corporal punishment. I remember my old pastor would say it this way. 
when you discipline children here, God gives them wisdom here. <laughs> Dads, you're your child's father. You're not their buddy. You're not their friend. You're not their hangout dude. You're not their golfing partner. You're the dad. And we desperately need dads to assume their biblically called role and be dads. And that includes the courage and the love to faithfully, carefully, winsomely, and lovingly discipline your children. Proverbs 3, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Third, and I would say potentially most importantly, is to model. You want to be a happy dad? Model for your children what it looks like to live a life according to the will and the wisdom of God. You know, words are powerful, and, and the Bible urges us to say words. I'm saying words right now that I hope the Holy Spirit uses. But as powerful as words are, they are not nearly as powerful as the power of example. And dads, I don't, by this, I don't mean that you go home and you say to yourself, okay, I want my kids to go to heaven, so therefore I'm going to follow Jesus faithfully now. No, that is raising your kids too important. We don't follow Jesus so our kids go to heaven. We follow Jesus for Jesus' sake. We do it as an act of worship to him, where the byproduct of that is that maybe my kids get the idea that Jesus really was resurrected from the dead. You don't do it to save your kids. You do it for Jesus' sake. But I'm here to tell you right now, if you don't do it, or if you are an utter hypocrite, you will do damage to your children's understanding of the gospel and possibly drive them away from it. I don't think God, I don't think, I don't think dads save their kids. I don't think the example of dads saves their kids. There's too many eminent Christians whose children have walked away from the faith to believe that. But God works through means, and one of the most powerful means that God uses is a faithful Christian dad living out his faith in front of his kids. And I say that because that's my story. My dad who himself did not have a, a, an his dad died when he was four, raised without a dad, was a faithful, imperfect, if he was here right now, he'd be shaking his head like, oh no, you know, he was imperfect, there were a lot of mistakes along the way, a lot of failures along the way, but I'm here to tell you that my dad followed Jesus sincerely, and that's the key. You don't have to do it perfectly, but you better do it sincerely. Because your kids need to see that this is really the thing in your life. And if you're a Christian, it ought to be the thing in your life, right? It's not like you got to fake it. Make it genuine before them. Well, Steve, so with your dad, what was like the one thing that made all the difference? There is no one thing that made all the difference. It is the cumulative effect of watching my dad up close for 18 years. That is one big reason that I'm standing here before you today. God used him in my life. 
And dads, here's, that's the power of it. You have a wonderful opportunity for God to use your life and your faith to draw your children towards the gospel. And that gospel is the determining factor of their eternal destiny. Make it a good one. Make it a good one. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. May God raise up a godly heritage that have a refuge in the faith of their fathers and see it up close. All right, so that whole part of the message, how to be a happy father. Now I want to talk to the children. How, children, do you make your dad happy? And yes, the foot rubs and all of that today, wonderful huge steps. Go ahead and do that. That's great. But I have a bigger goal in mind here today, and it kind of it's wrapped up in that happy father day instead of happy father's day. It's happy father day. How are dads happy in their fathering? Here's what Proverbs has to say. Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Proverbs 27, 11, Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. And the idea of that verse is this, is that, you know what, if my kids... If my kids are following God, it doesn't matter how many people say bad things about me, call my name, slander me, doesn't matter at all why, because I am so delighting in the character of my son and the direction of his life. Give me that. Give me that. And kids, I want you to realize that you have a great ability to produce happiness in your dad, especially his eternal happiness. Because I'm here to tell you right now, More than anything else, as I said earlier, I want my daughters to know Christ. I want to spend eternity with my girls. It's what I wish before I blow out the candles. And kids, if your dad is a Christian, he desperately wants you there too. You know, if you're a Christian kid, you have two fathers. Did you know that? You have an earthly father and you have a heavenly father. An earthly father and a heavenly father. You're called to obey both of them. In fact, the Bible is so simple. It's so simple. Kids, if you're 18 or under, would you stand up right now? I want to talk to you. 18 or under, all the kids stand up, okay? All right. Don't you love standing up in church? You're loving it right now. Go ahead and be honest. 18 and under. All right. Listen. The Bible makes this so easy. Like, being a dad is complex. It's hard. You have, it's so easy for you. The Bible, here's all the Bible calls you to do. It's simple. Honor and obey your parents. That's it. And all the parents said? Amen. Amen. Like, how hard, you can do that. Can't you do that? Why don't you go home today and give it a try, all right? Honor and obey your parents. That's the call of scripture upon children. But obviously you need Jesus to do that. I want to tell you one of my favorite Proverbs, okay? I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to have you read it with me. This is a proverb to children. Here it is, Proverbs, 20, or Proverbs 30. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. <laughs> 
All the children now, please read this verse with me. Here we go. The eye that mocks a father, go ahead, and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Now that's a powerful image, isn't it? You scorn your mother and there's a raven that's going to come and it's just going to gouge out your eye and fling it onto the road. Where on the road... You've seen this, the dead carcasses, you know, the raccoons and the deer that get hit by animals. Those vultures come down and they pick at the carcass. It's going to pick at your eye. <laughs> now, what is this talking about? Here's what it's talking about. As painful as it is for a mother when a child scorns her, and as hard as it is for a dad when a, when a, when a child disobeys him, who actually suffers by scorning a mother and a father. And the point of God's word in this verse is, you do. You do. Now right now it feels like you're being free and you're getting to do what you want, but you're fighting against the flow of thousands of years of human history and the word of God, which would testify, you dishonor your father and mother and you will pay a heavy price. Okay, so here's the deal, next Sunday, Every child, 18 and under, that comes up to me next Sunday and quotes this verse by memory, I will have a bag of Albanese candy for you as a reward. How's that for a deal? Okay? So with that, you may be seated. Now, I said that first service, having no idea, but members of the Albanese family came up to me after first service and they said, we'll cover it. Okay? So we're in good shape, all right? We're in good shape. So I'll be looking for you next Sunday. And uh, we'll see if you can get that verse right. Dads, how to be a happy father? Model, discipline, and teach your children to live according to God's wisdom as found in his word and in Jesus Christ. And we obviously, we need God's grace to do this. And I'm not here, I'm not, hopefully I'm not discouraging you, I'm just urging you to parent and dad in a way that leads to your happiness and your child's eternal happiness. And pray that God would use the testimony of our lives to draw our children to a life lived to his glory. Then, then, our eternal day will be a forever happy Father Day. And that's the longing of our hearts.